Welcome to the Impactful PBL Podcast. I'm Candice, your host, a project-based learning coach and leader of the Impactful PBL Network. And you can find me at impactfulpbl.com. I'm on a mission to do good work with good people for good reasons, and I hope you are too. If you are a current or aspiring project-based educator looking for strategies and ideas to craft memorable learning experiences that empower your students to tackle challenges in their school and community through project-based learning, then you're in the right place. Join me as I share resources and tips to help you launch a PBL initiative in your classroom. Welcome to the Impact Makers community, and let's talk PBL. Hey, Impact Makers, many of the teachers inside the Impactful PBL Network are in the middle of their project-based learning unit, or they're finishing their PBL unit. I've been hearing some wonderful updates about what students are creating, and I'm so thrilled to hear about what students are learning and what teachers are learning during their PBL experience. Because my aim is to help students enjoy learning and to help teachers enjoy teaching. And to hear how amazed teachers are with some of the public products that their students produce brings me so much joy. Not just because students are growing socially, personally, and academically, but because teachers are also seeing that their hard work is making an impact. Teaching can feel like a long game, meaning sometimes you don't see the impact of your labor until years later, which can make you question whether you're making a difference or not, whether what you're teaching really matters, whether students are really learning. And I want to say that you are, you are making a difference. And so this week's episode, I want to focus on the importance of reflection and how to create a reflection process as an educator. I often talk about providing space for students to reflect, but self-reflection is important for you as well. The professional development pillars that I facilitate inside the Impactful PBL Network are support or mentorship, tools and resources, education or training, plan of action, and self-reflection. Because I believe that if teachers have access to that type of support, they can improve their craft. So this week, I'm going to walk you through a protocol that you can use to reflect on a project-based learning unit. Let's dive in. So first, let's discuss what is reflective thought. In John's Dewey, What is Thought? Chapter 1 in the book, How We Think, which was written in 1910, he stated, Reflection involves not simply a sequence of ideas, but a consequence, a consecutive ordering in such a way that each determines the next as its proper outcome while each in turn leans back on his predecessors. These successive portions of the reflective thought grow out of one another and support one another. They do not come and go in a medley. Each phase is a step from something to something. Technically speaking, it is a term of thought. Each term leaves a deposit, which is utilized in the next term, and the stream or flow becomes a train, chain, or thread. So what do you think about that passage? Do you agree or disagree? I shared this passage with a group of teachers once during a PBL experience and then asked for their thoughts, and I received complete silence. And then finally, one teacher responded, I don't even know what he's talking about. So this was written over 100 years ago. So don't you enjoy reading old English and how you have to sometimes read it twice to understand it? But simply put, to reflect means to think deeply or carefully about something. It's a thought, idea, or opinion form made as a result of meditation. Typically, when you reflect on a situation, you are linking previous actions, feelings, or thoughts to your current actions, feelings, and thoughts, which sometimes leads you to thinking what and if you should have done something differently to achieve an alternate outcome. Outside of the education realm, have you ever had a disagreement or conflict with someone and afterwards you think about what happened and what you said and did and what they said or did, and then you think to yourself, I should have done this or I should have said that. And then you start to analyze why did you respond the way you did? And then finally you land on something like, well, next time when I'm in that situation, I will do X. 
Well, that's the power of reflective thought. It leads you to try to understand why you did what you did and why it's important, which is part of the critical thinking process. So when we think about the benefits of self-reflection from a student standpoint, we know that it allows students to see the importance of their own learning process. Students can identify what they did well, what they need to change. And reflection provides students with opportunities to brainstorm solutions and strategies to improve their learning. Reflection also provides students with a reason to learn, meaning why do they need to learn a particular set of skills or concepts, which in turn fosters enjoyment in the process of learning because students are able to explore the connections between their thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Just like students benefit from reflection, we as educators must reflect as well. I remember my first year teaching at the end of each day, I would make a note about what went well with the lesson and what didn't so that I could adjust it because I was a math teacher. And so I taught the same lesson multiple times per day to different students, which afforded me the option to reflect on one lesson several times. As a professional development facilitator, I do the same. I make notes after each professional development session, what I think went well, what I could have done better, and even questions that teachers ask to analyze if I can explain a concept better next time. I also ask teachers to complete a survey after each professional learning experience so that I can gain insight on their experience with the training. Therefore, it's essential for you as a teacher or facilitator to reflect on your learning as you progress along your journey as a project-based educator. Why? Well, for the same reasons mentioned earlier about the benefits of self-reflection for students, it applies to educators as well because we are learners too, right? Plus, we need to understand students and their abilities and their needs so that we can help them develop and become reflective learners themselves. But even more important, being reflective practitioners is a significant factor in our professional growth or for improving our craft. Essentially, what reflective practice look like for educators is learning through and from experience to gain new insights about yourself and your practice. So I want you to think about how often do you take time to reflect on an experience? And I don't mean completing a task and thinking, oh, that was horrible without thinking about what made it feel horrible and what you can do better next time. I mean, really reflect on the experience. I know a teacher who taught for almost 35 years. She recently retired. And at year 25, she began blogging and interacting with other educators on Twitter to reflect on what she was learning as a teacher, not because her principal told her to, and not because she was selling education resources, but because she truly wanted to reflect on her craft as an educator. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that you should start a blog or get on social media. I'm just suggesting that you create some form of reflective practice in a manner that works for you. Now that we're in alignment with why self-reflection is important, not just for students, but also for educators, let's explore what this could look, sound, and feel like after a PBL experience. I also want to mention that teachers should reflect throughout the unit, but what I'm focusing on right now is the end of unit reflection. Let's explore how teachers can reflect on the PBL unit and then how teachers can reflect on their practice. We're going to start with reflecting on the project itself. One way to do this is to use the framework for high quality project-based learning, which includes six criteria that must be present in a project in order for it to be considered high quality. Now, we know as educators that beyond the PBL experience itself, we know that classroom and school culture plays a role in implementing a quality PBL unit, but the framework for high quality project-based learning focuses on the PBL unit itself. And you can use this framework to reflect on ways that your projects can be improved. If you're not familiar with this framework, you can find it at hqpbl.org. Let me share the six criteria. One, intellectual challenge and accomplishment. Two, authenticity three, public product, four, collaboration, five, project management, 
and six, reflection. And the framework has guiding questions for each criteria. When I'm leading a reflection session with teachers, I typically use this framework as guidance. And here's how you can use the guiding questions from the framework to reflect on your most recent PBL unit. And I encourage teachers to bring three samples of student work to analyze. One way to select student work to analyze is to use your project rubric. So for example, let's say your rating scale levels were exemplary, accomplished, developing, and beginning, or whatever your rubric states. Pull an example public product from a student that represent each rating level. It's okay if you don't have an example public product for each rating level, but try to pull something that reflects each one. Now that you have this example, so in our case, four student projects in your recollection of the PBL experience and student reflections to review each of the six criteria shared in the framework for high quality project-based learning. And we're gonna use these guiding questions for the reflection. I'm gonna quickly provide an overview for each criteria. So the first one is intellectual change and accomplishment. And this includes students learning deeply, thinking critically, and striving for excellence. So the idea is that projects are not designed to just be fun activities or hands-on experience with very little intellectual effort. A high-quality PBL requires students to answer complex problems and think critically throughout the process, and they're working on the project over the course of days, weeks, or even months. The next criteria is authenticity, and this involves students working on projects that are meaningful and relevant to their culture, their lives, and their future. It needs to reflect on what's happening in the world. For example, how they can make an impact on other people in their communities. And with that being said, students should be able to have voice and choice in their work. The next criteria is public product. It involves that students' work is publicly displayed, discussed, and critiqued. So remember the idea that students aren't just completing a project to turn into their teachers. The idea is that they're working in public. So they're sharing their public products, not just their teacher and peers, but maybe experts or people beyond the classroom. The next criteria is collaboration. And this involves students collaborating with other students in person or online and or they're receiving guidance from adult mentors and experts. Yeah, sure, you can have projects where students are working individually, but in today's workplace, most projects are done in collaboration with colleagues. It's essential that students are able to build these type of collaboration skills. Now, remember that collaboration doesn't mean just taking pieces of a project and dividing it up and assign it to students. We're actually talking about true collaboration where they are contributing their individual voices and their skills and their talents, and they're respecting the contributions of others. The next criteria involves project management. And this is where students are able to use a project management process that enables them to proceed effectively from project initiation to completion. So we all know now in our current world, project management is part of not only in the workforce, but also our personal lives. People work on projects all the time, and we have to understand how to manage time, how to manage tasks and resources effectively. So during a PBL unit, we want to make sure that students are making use of project management processes and strategies similar to what they would be using in the real world. And then finally, but not least, we have reflection. And this is just students reflecting on their work and their learning throughout the project. We know that it's important that students are able to assess the quality of their work, think about how they can improve it, to think about what went well in the process, what are some challenges that they explored, and how they can overcome these challenges during the next PBL unit, which those problem-solving skills ideally translates outside of the classroom when they are experiencing real-world problems. Okay, so now, if you're looking at that framework, you notice that each criteria has guiding questions questions that you can ask yourself during the process. So when you're reading the guiding questions, you want to answer whether the action occurred often, sometimes, rarely, or never. 
based on your PBL unit and reflection about the experience. After going through the guiding questions for each criteria, you want to write a quick reflection. For example, let's take the criteria public product. One of the questions says, to what extent do students share their work in progress with peers, teachers, and others for feedback? So let's say students were able to share their work in progress with each group or peers and feedback and with a parent or caring adult. In that example, I would rate it as often. I recognize that there is some subjectivity in the rating, but that's okay. It's more about the reflection process than the actual rating you assign. So another criteria that I just mentioned was reflection. And one of the guiding questions state, to what extent do students reflect on, write about, and discuss the academic content, concepts, and success skills they are learning? So let's say students only reflected at the end of the PBL unit. I would rate that as rarely. So you want to go through each of the guiding questions using this process. And when you are done, revisit each question and rating. Assign three points for each time you selected often, two points for each time you selected sometimes, one point for rarely, and no points for each time you put never. So let me clarify that this score is for you and your growth, meaning you would do the same reflection process with the next PBL unit and measure your progress. So there is no need to inflate your responses, okay? So using this model, you can earn a maximum of 57 points. So you got 19 questions times a maximum of three points. Divide your total points by 57 to get a percentage if you want a concrete measure for future comparison. Again, this activity is just to add a level of gamification, so to speak, with your professional growth goal. And calculating the points is an optional step. But what shouldn't be optional is the actual writing of next steps or what you learn from the reflection. So now you want to go back and jot down quick thoughts about why you rated each guiding question description the way you did. So using my previous example, I rated the guided question to what extent do students reflect on, write about, and discuss the academic content, concepts, and success skills they are learning as rarely. So I would write why I stated rarely and what I'm going to do the next time so that my rating will move up at least a level, maybe to sometimes. This process is helpful because it will provide you with notes to reference for next year when you implement a PBL unit again with different students. And it will also help you remember what modifications you need to make. Also, if you decide to facilitate this project with a new colleague, say a new teacher join your team, it's helpful to be able to provide context about previous results from the project. And don't forget to jot down notes about students' public products. Remember the examples I asked you to gather? Jot down some quick notes about why this solution received a rating of developing and what prevented it from being accomplished or whatever that next level was. Now, you may have this information written already on students' rubric because that's part of giving actionable feedback, right? But you can look at all of the example public products you collected and write down trends that you noticed. Maybe you can spot common misconceptions that you can address the next time you execute this project. That's how you can reflect on the PBL unit. But now let's talk about how to use self-reflection in this process. The next step is simple. The goal is to pay attention to your own thoughts, emotions, decisions, and behaviors so that you can identify how these actions impacted your outcomes. Now, here are some questions to ask yourself, and I encourage you to write down or journal your thoughts, or you could record yourself answering these questions, but some way to document your responses. Again, this process is for you and your growth as an educator. So no matter how well the project went, there is most likely something that you can do to improve. And no matter how badly you think it went, there is always something positive that came from it. Both instances are worth noting. Here are eight questions you could ask yourself during this process. One, what went well about the PBL experience? I want you to identify several positive components. Two, why did this component of the PBL experience go well? Three, to what extent are these components strengths in your teaching? 
Four, what did not go so well during the PBL experience? Five, why did this component of the PBL experience not go so well? Six, to what extent are these components weaknesses in your teaching? Seven, what have you learned about your teaching and facilitation during PBL experiences? And eight, after reflecting on the PBL experience, what will you do the same and what will you do differently next time? So whether you wrote your reflections down or recorded them, store your thoughts in a place where you can review them the next time you launch this PBL unit. Now it's time to take action. If you recently completed a PBL unit, use this episode to reflect on your experience. If you are not in the middle of or completing a PBL unit right now, how might this reflection process help you grow as a project-based educator? Let me know. Send me a DM on LinkedIn if you're on either social platform sharing your thoughts about this week's episode. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you find this podcast insightful, please leave a review and subscribe so you can get notified of future episodes.